Hello, everybody. I want to welcome you to this week's May Chexit discussion group call for tactical sovereignty. This is episode 233, uh, and we've basically done one a week on the average, uh, never skipping a week. There might be some weeks where there was like maybe two of them done or something. So at least, uh, you know, I've gone at least probably 225 weeks in a row doing this, so... Yeah, that kind of adds up and looking at what, you know, over four years. So tonight, uh, what I plan on doing is I'm going to kind of uh, piggyback or, or dovetail off from what I was discussing last week uh, regarding our person or the artificial entity, also known as the juridic entity, and um get into the topic of abjure the realm tonight a little bit. And a lot of times, since I got, you know, when even I first started researching things and looking at the stuff, you know, everybody wants that one magical piece of paper that, you know, you sign or print or put the thumbprint on or whatever the case may be and send to a specific entity and poof, it takes care of everything. It really doesn't work that way. It's way more complicated than that. And it's more complicated than that for a couple of reasons. Uh, One, believe it or not, we've made it more complicated. And at the same time, also, though, I think it's also devised to be complicated uh, because the more complicated a situation is, the less you're really going to notice uh, maybe a fault in it or a fraud in it. And at the same time, the more complicated a situation is, the more difficult it might be to unravel, uh, to, to see it or and be able to unwind it and things of that nature. And so when you look at the term abjure, it's uh, A-B-J-U-R-E, if anybody wants to research it, and you look that up, what it means to abjure uh, is very, very similar as to what it means in uh, the law of nations, when it talks about the right to quit, uh, that is a natural right that people have. Um, this doesn't fall under like common law or statutory law. This is a natural right. You have the right to stop doing something that you've been doing if you so choose, the right to quit. Um, the right to quit, I think, is also could have been morphed into the expatriation. Um, although it is purest form is right to quit or even uh, adjure. I believe uh, seconds of blacks, I think yeah, it gives a kind of a short description regarding abjure. I think they, they refer also to the situation of a crime or, or somebody that's been deemed a criminal and they are admitting fault and part of the agreement in their punishment, I guess if you want to call it that, part of their agreement is to abjure the realm, which means to leave and never return, uh, which would be a physical thing. I mean, so if what we're going back to maybe like the medieval times or whatever, and somewhere in Britain or one of the many, many states within the Holy Roman Empire, you know, there, there was somebody that was causing problems, you know, with in uh, their locale, you know, 
this person could agree to agree to abjure the realm and leave, say goodbye, never to return again. Well, one of the things that we automatically know about the great adversary is that he really does not create anything new of his own. He's not a creator. I don't know if he just doesn't have uh, uh, much of a um, imagination, <laughs> if you will, but he, he doesn't do anything original. He, he's a copier. He's an imitator. And so uh, the way the system has operated today, today isn't the same as it was during the time of um, the laws within the law of nations. Uh, the Law of Nations was essentially compiled around 1750, just before the United States of America was starting to take form. But it was compiled also off from a lot of different old laws and things that were used, you know, even in the Middle East. I mean, they, they were the essentials of the different kingdoms, the principles they went off from, and they were basically compiled into really four books which can be found compiled into one book, uh, The Law of Nations, which I, I recommend people reading. Um, I would say to adjure the realm um, is also probably very similar to, say, a self-trespass. You can self-trespass yourself from a property, um, and it's done much the same way as any other trespass is done. Uh, in order to be trespassed from a property, either the owner or an agent of the owner, and kind of keep that in mind, uh, agent, law of agency, uh, agent-principal relationship, if you will. But an agent of the owner in representing the owner or the principal uh, can insist that somebody be trespassed from a property. And very often what will happen at those times <clears throat> And I've seen a few of them from other people, um, a couple of personal experiences. Anyway, well, what very often the case is, is that whoever's in charge of security or the head of security, because they are the agent for the principal, um, will take down information or details of somebody. They might even take a photograph of them, maybe even a photograph of their vehicle or something like that, license plate, etc. And uh, that will go into their files, and that person is supposedly permanently trespassed from that property. Uh, I know working casinos, casinos will do that. If there's been somebody caught cheating or different things, uh, they'll do a trespass on them. But at the same time, I even, you know, say, what, for instance, since I brought up casinos, say somebody decides that they have a gambling problem. And they no longer want to have this monkey on their shoulder anymore. And so they can go to the different properties where they would go and gamble at. And they can request a self-trespass. All right. And the same procedure that would be done for them would be done for anybody else. Same situation. And that person will have a permanent trespass against them. Which means if they come around again, then an agent for the state a law enforcement officer uh, can be notified and they will come and forcibly remove the person, maybe even jail them for trespassing on the property. I've got a buddy so, of mine that did that. Yeah. 
And I think it's a smart thing for some people to do in different situations. So a self-trespass or abjure, a lot of these things really all tie in together. <clears throat> They're all very similar, similar concepts. That, but the nice thing is, that, like I said, uh, the great adversary, since he's also, I call him the great imitator because he just imitates or mirrors what something else has done um, with the realm that the great adversary rules today uh, isn't necessarily like, you know, a land-based situation. is isn't quite as much of a property-based situation. It's, it's everything is really done in, in the fictional or it's done in the abstract. Um, it, it's not done in reality, bottom line. It's not really reality. And so therefore, say your presence, for instance, say abjure the realm for the United States of America. Okay. Well, the United States of America is essentially run by the United States. And the United States is totally, it's a fiction of the abstract. It's an artificial entity. Um, it's essentially a, a company, which means it's a piece of paper hanging in the file of a file cabinet. That's really what it comes down to. Uh, it, when it is referred to as having land jurisdiction, that's referred to the uh, 10 square mile area of Washington, D.C. That's the federal zone. And so, to abjure the realm regarding the United States, well, gosh, how many Americans have even ever been to the United States? How many people have really ever even been to Washington, D.C.? And how hard would it be to say, I'll never step foot on Washington, D.C. again? <laughs> That'd be very easy to do. <clears throat> yeah, it's a matter of sanctioning oneself. Yeah, for being a respect, being no respecter of persons. I'm sorry, I don't respect persons. I've got to sanction myself. Doesn't matter what you say. You can try to entice me all you want, but I've got to sanction myself. Sorry. It's a self-imposed sanction, or uh, you can even call it self-imposed exile. It's a self. It's a situation of self-exile. And so, when it comes to, you know. Being separate from the U.S., for instance, and this would be the same for, I mean, if you're on New Zealand or any other country, I mean, and I get contacted by people from all over the place. Um, since it's really all just an artificial entity that's been set up, how do you self-exile from an artificial entity? And you look at the tentacles of that artificial entity. Where are its tentacles reaching into? And those are the things that you don't touch, okay? Uh, for instance, one of the biggies today, uh, I think a lot of people have had a hard time staying away from, um, would be this bribe money, I call it, that's been given out, all right? This bribe money to go along with the hoax that's been perpetrated on everybody. Well, yeah. if you're... <laughs> If you're, you're, automatically, you're automatically okayed for it. Here, just accept it. You don't even have to sign for it. We're just going to electronically deposit it. How slick yeah. is that? Well, and, and there's two things that's being done right there when it's, when it's automatically deposited for you. Actually, there's three things that have happened there. Number one, the people who receive it are people who regularly file taxes. Number two, since they are going to automatically deposit for you, means you have a regular interest-bearing bank account 
that they have recognized. That way they can automatically deposit it for you. And a third thing that's being done is you're being offered a benefit. In this case, I call it bribery, but you are being offered a benefit. And we have to remember that whoever accepts the benefit also holds liability. So guess what? If it, this goes back really to when we're kids and dad says, as long as you live under my house, as long as you're underneath my roof, you're going to follow my rules. And kids can't wait till they graduate and turn 18 or some, you know, hasten the job and run away from home. You know what I mean? So and get off of under dad's roof. Rules. Yeah. So they can follow somebody else's rules. <laughs> and they don't understand that in this world, you are going to be following somebody's rules one way or another. Uh, I don't care if you have can become a hermit and you live out in the middle of the woods. You're, you're falling under the laws of nature, purely under the laws of nature. And let me tell you something. You think statutory law is rough? Natural law is equally, if not worse, rough. I mean, if you don't build that, that thatch roof over your head up, you know, you're going to have some serious problems. If you don't do some things to make sure that you stay warm instead of just going over and turning up the thermostat that's been provided to you by a landlord or whatever the case may be, or through with a bank by, via mortgage or whatever, if you don't supply your own heat source, you're going to freeze to death. You're dealing with nature's law and the laws of nature's God, period. You know, So you're not going to get underneath all rules whatsoever. Um, you just might up the ante on yourself. And, and so really what's being said when dad is saying, as long as you live underneath my roof, you follow my rules. What he's really saying is, as long as you live underneath my rules, you are here living underneath my rules. All right. And the same thing happens obligatory. When you accept a benefit from someone else, they get to have a say with what you do and what you've done. Uh, one of the things I find fascinating myself is um, people that go and get divorced. And after they've gotten divorced, and this divorce is supposed to be complete, husband and wife, they're totally separate from each other, can do their own thing, nobody can say anything about it, that if one of the stipulations in the divorce that was set forth by the court is not followed correctly, then one of the partners can go to the state and complain about it, and that person can be hauled back in again. Well, hold on a second. If this divorce is totally finalized, everything, a total separation between the two people and stuff, then how can one person enforce their will still via the state on the other party. I thought they're supposed to be totally, you know, separated from each other, doing their own thing, shouldn't have any influence on each other. But yet there is still that possibility there. Why is that? And the reason would be is because that divorce hasn't been finalized. That, that marriage was a three-party contract. Man and woman might not be together anymore, but nobody did anything about that third entity, the state. They never took care of that portion of the marriage. There's quasi-contracts going on still. Mm -hmm. Well, and, well, and here's the thing. People call it quasi, like it's an appearance of a contract. Uh, myself, I really wouldn't even call it quasi. 
I call it. Yeah, it is. It's a contract. Just because yeah, well, you weren't smart enough to realize it's tying in all three parties, which anybody with any common sense should have seen that. And in fact, if you're married in Ohio, in Ohio, or I would say on Ohio, nobody's ever been in Ohio. If you've been in Ohio, you evidently crawled into a hanging file somewhere in the Capitol. Anyway, um, if you've been married on Ohio, when you're married, they give you a little pamphlet. And I believe it's called uh, The I Wed or In The I Wed. And just one little small pamphlet, and it tells you right there, you are entering into a three-party contract. Your, your marriage just isn't man-woman. Your marriage is man-woman state. And actually, the way it probably ranks is state-woman-man <laughs> in order of preference. But anyway. Oh, yeah, most likely. But that's one you'll, of the biggest notice, issues. I, I you'll notice but, the uh, health and welfare program is for mothers and children, and the only thing in there yep. for fathers is the support program. Yep. Yep. Yeah. D. If you want to get into a racket, go and study Title Four D of um, the federal titles. Uh, that is really that was really birthed and and put into motion big time under the Clinton administration. But uh, yeah, and that's pretty amazing. But yeah, I want to say one of the things that I, I find frustrating to me is that so many times we look at some of these contracts and people yell and scream that they're fraudulent and this and that and stuff when the real issue is that one, no, we weren't educated necessarily on contracts and what they're all about. That wasn't part of the educational program. Granted, that was done, I'm very sure, on purpose. It was not an accident that they didn't teach you that stuff. Um, if they did, it might have been covered very briefly for about 10 minutes, maybe in junior high. I don't know. Yeah, they, they removed but, civics and everything. Yeah, so much of that has been removed. But it should be common sense to people that if you're going and entering into a contract that, oh, how much do I know about contracts? And if the answer, which probably would be not very much, then it is our obligation to go and learn about it. It is nobody's obligation to tell us or to teach us. If we are entering into it, then we are expected to know what we are doing. We're expected to know the law. I believe even in, I uh, don't recall, I think it's the Internal Revenue Code, that it talks about the use of Federal Reserve notes. That by the mere use of Federal Reserve notes, that you are self-admitting to know what, how banking works. All right? So you can't come along later on and say, oh, I never knew this. Or what. Well, what are you doing using stuff if you don't know how to use it? You know what I mean? Yeah, how you bought the product? Yeah, if you can't read what's on there, then you don't know how to use it. That's the problem. Yeah. That one dollar I mean, bill, it, it, look you, at your one dollar bill as opposed to your two dollar bills, your fives and tens. That one dollar bill has four seals on it, two on the front, two on the back. Show exposes both the trust and the uh, contracts within. But it's like saying, you know, yeah, you went to Ace Hardware and bought a tool to do something with. You didn't read the instructions with the tool and you cut your finger off 
Now you want to go back and sue Ace Hardware for it. Uh, their attorneys are going to say, did you not read the instructions? Did you not see it said, before using this project, product, be sure and read these instructions? <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, and everything we touch is dangerous. Everything. It, you know, right down to that Federal Reserve note. So anything we do, any contract we enter, the use of Federal Reserve notes, the opening of a bank account, all of these things have instructions. And people don't read them. And you are expected to know all this stuff when you enter into it. Uh, when you get the driver's license, nobody really knows what life And I've heard people say, oh, it's all null and void for non-disclosure. And it's a way the law works. I mean, just like Ace Hardware, that cashier didn't say, okay, you sit over here in the corner, um, you read the instructions for this product first, and I'm going to give you a quiz on it, and then I'll sell you the product. No, you're expected that you know what you're doing when you buy the product. Same thing with the driver's license. They are not required to tell you, hey, if you're signing something, you should know automatically that whenever your signature is required, the only reason why it's required is because there is a contract in place. All right. Did you ask for the contract? Have you read the contract? Because by signing, you are agreeing to a contract. Now, what are you doing? Now, so whose fault is it? Is it their fault for non-disclosure or is it your fault for going ahead and agreeing to a contract that you did not read? Um, myself, the liability is personal. It's not on another party. It's on yourself. You entered into something not knowing what you were doing. Sorry, that's just the way it is. And, it, you know, there's all these little fun. Go ahead, Keith. The, the post office is the main contracting power. So when you deal with them, you better know what you're doing. Just like when you go to a casino, you better know how to play poker before you sit down at them tables. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's just like, you know, and that's the thing. There's a lot of people that different games will be like, can you tell me how this works? Well, maybe if you're the only player, yeah, I, I, I'm happy to show you myself. Number one, myself, I would never go. I, it, I wouldn't call it cheap. I, I just respect my money and I would never go out and risk my money on entertainment that is rooted in receiving more money or either losing my money. I just wouldn't do it. Well, yeah, but when, it, when you go out there thinking that you're going to gamble your money, you at least want to know the game before you get there. To go to one of those, and I see the same thing happen all the time. How do you play this game? Plot down 100, 100 chips. Not even knowing hey, how to we, play it. That is we got, taking we, a total risk. We got YouTube nowadays. You want to learn something? I don't care if it's learning how to play you know, um, a, a deep stack Omaha game. You're breaking up, brother. Well, sorry, nothing I can do about that. But my, myself, if I'm going to sit down at a table with other players, I at least want to look like I know what I'm doing. You know? And at the same time, I'm going to watch them and see what they do. That way, when it comes to me, I know what I 
what my options are, you know, anyway. Yeah, um, see, that's the problem when we go into these courts and stuff. We really don't know what we're doing there. So we stay out of them, right? Absolutely. Still 100%. Number one, you don't have standing. You don't have standing there. Well, if you don't have any standing there, what are you doing there? Yeah, you can't, you can't go fact, play poker with it. You can't go play poker with them unless you turn something in and, and exchange it for their house chips. Yeah, you've got to play with their with their the house equipment. If they're not playing with the house equipment, they don't want you there. Well, and in the courtroom, what is the house equipment? The house equipment is the juridic entity that they created. If you're not going to agent for that juridic entity, guess what? Nothing they can do. They need somebody to be agent for the the entity that they created. If they if that doesn't exist, uh, game over. They have no use for you. Why? At the same time, this goes back to accepting a benefit and holding liability. If you're using that game piece that they created, if you are acting a borrow. Uh, the monopoly board, then guess what? You are liable to the rules of thing with the courts. If you are not acting as the live man or woman that is agent for that entity, that artificial entity they created, then it's it's more than a bit of a stalemate there. And see, that's a large it, part of the problem. People going in there um, believing that they are the borrower when, in fact, they are the lender. And it tells us in the Bible, lend unto the nations, but borrow from no one. And this is the thing that the courts and banks and all the people of uh, the elite powers have all misconstrued to the people of ignorance that they hold that power. And it's not so. You do. As the people, you have all of that inherent power. You're the one that's giving it up by signing it over, by not knowing the contract. Well, and not getting in studying, you know, and so I'm glad I got in and studied before I was ever faced with anything serious. Then after I felt like in one area of law, I had comprehended enough information that I could go in and start playing around. I set myself up so I would be pulled in for it. Okay. Now with other areas that have come along since then, where any other person would have been pulled in. This natural man didn't get pulled in. And the reason why is because I knew that you can't walk into court and expect that you're going to do a whole lot. Your biggest power is establishing who and what you are before that day ever arrives. I call it preventative medicine, you know. Um, and they know that there's a lot of stuff that's thrown out there, like in the patriot community or whatever, that, you know, people... They first get in trouble, and then all of a sudden they, they decide they're going to start learning. And what do they learn? They learn a lot of the garbage stuff that's floating around at the top level. Okay? And I, I'll get into that in just a second here, into one of those specific things. But since I brought up garbage information, let me handle that topic here. And I'll say an explanation of this. You know, I look at a lot of these different people that have Patreon accounts, for instance. 
you know, oh, it's a buck a month or five bucks a month or whatever the case may be, or you can upgrade to 10 bucks a month and get this and this and this. And, you know, and I've almost never, and I'll qualify that almost never jumped on any of those things. And the reason why is because I look at a lot of these people out there doing these things and it's like, do I feel that they have knowledge that I need and that I can't get anywhere else? Sure. It's only a buck or five bucks a month, but here's my issue. And this has been my issue. And I've noticed this probably the last 25 years is that in life, you know, you've got your basic, you've got your water bill, maybe the garbage bill. Uh, you got your electric bill. Uh, TV used to be free. Now all of a sudden it became cable. So you got your cable bill. Oh, now the internet has come along. So now there's another extra bill for internet. And now they're tacking on it. All of a sudden, there's all these little new things that pop up for five, ten bucks a month. And it doesn't sound like much. But if you rack up that five, ten bucks a month and, and pool those not necessarily necessities together and time, the benefit of what has been invested into it. And since you are investing into them, you really expect to be getting something back. Are you getting something back is the question. Okay. And so, like I said, I, I qualified that with almost, and here's the reason why, is because I have run across a couple people, and everybody will throw their hands up in the air over this, um, who were either CIA or military intelligence, okay? Now, I entered into it knowing, for instance, CIA, I know what they're all about. I have a good foundation of what it's all about. I don't think anybody ever leaves the CIA. I think once they're in, they're in. I know I went into the Marine Corps. One of the things they teach in the Marine Corps is once a Marine, always a Marine. Okay. Why? Because these things that are instilled in you will be instilled in you for life. In the CIA, there is intelligence, and I'm going to get into what that is, that is instilled in you that is going to be there for life, and they don't want that going anywhere else. Okay. <clears throat> um, people with military intelligence, same exact scenario, same exact situation. But my attitude with them was, are they going to give me information that's usable? Are they going to give me knowledge that's usable? Are they going to give me intelligence? Are they going to give me actionable intelligence? Those are all three different levels right there. People don't understand that. Okay. And I, I, I weighed that heavily before ever joining with them. And I didn't join on for a long period of time. I joined on to get the basic knowledge or intelligence that I wanted from them before I had left. And at the same time, I would recommend to anybody that joins up with anything like that, at the same time, I would never join something that requires an NDA. I would never join anything that requires a non-disclosure agreement. Something that says, whatever you are taught or told here stays here. It can't be shared anywhere else. Okay? I've never joined something like that. Now, at the same time, 
a lot of this intel, this intelligence that I, I reaped and received through doing these several things, um, I don't come out and say, oh, this is where it came from, or this is where that came from, okay? I use a lot of it to give me a baseline on my own research and to be able to weigh whether what I'm being fed is information or if it's intelligence or if it's just knowledge, okay? And let me explain those three things to you. Um, within in, any of the departments, those are three basic levels they follow. Top level is intelligence, second level down is knowledge, the bottom level is information. And I'll explain all three of those. Number one, information, the bottom level. Information can be found anywhere. There's boatloads, there's a plethora of information. You can go on any social media site and glean tons of information regarding pretty much any specific topic. <clears throat> you can go on the internet. You can go to the Great Oracle. Go to Google, go to the Great Oracle, Bing, DuckDuckGo, whoever you want to go to. You can go to your Great Oracle and pull down tons of information that people have given on any related topic that you're looking up. Okay? But information is just that. It's only information. It's what people are saying that something is. It's what people are saying about how something works. It may not necessarily be factual. It may not be backed by any real evidence. It's just information. And so information is generally looked at as garbage. All right. So when you see a lot of information flowing around out there, realize garbage information. It's a lot of crap floating around doesn't mean anything okay let's go up a level we'll go up to knowledge knowledge that you gain is stuff that is backed by resource material it's backed by evidence it's backed by proofs it's backed by source where this came from things that you can all use to weigh out in combination with each other as to the validity of that knowledge, does it make that knowledge foolproof? No, it doesn't. But it strengthens it. Okay? That's that second level. You go to the top level, which is called Intel. Isn't there like computer stuff out there called Intel or whatever? And that's where this comes from. It's intelligence. What is intelligence? Because whether you're looking at um, any of the branches of military, uh, their intelligence departments, which is what they call them, or you're looking at CIA, FBI, whoever, okay? What they are all wanting to glean is intelligence, which is fact-based. It's as irrefutable as man can possibly make something be um when it comes to intelligence, one of the key components of intelligence is intelligence is secret. It's secret knowledge. It does not get shared out. It stays in-house. That's what happens with intel. Intel is not for the unwashed masses, as Alexander Hamilton would say. That's what he called the general public, the unwashed masses. You know, for those who like 
um, Alexander Hamilton, <laughs> but it's, and so we've, we've got to understand those levels of things when we are being presented different information. Is this just information? Is this substantiated knowledge? Or is this kind of secret intel or secret intelligence that isn't given out to just everybody? We have to weigh things on that level. So when we see stuff that is just spewing out all over the place, the first thing you have to know is that's nothing but information, which means it's junk. Okay. Um, and I, I said I was going to get to something specifically that gets spewing out. And that is that when somebody first gets into court and they have a problem or, you know, they're faced with charges, what do I do? Uh, I might be going to jail in three or four months for a long time. And they decide all of a sudden they're going to start learning, you know, and they start learning about, you know, the three cities, say Empire, uh, City of London, the Vatican, uh, Washington, D.C. I, I mean, they think they're just really getting, they're not really getting anything they can use. It's not stuff they can really use in court. Okay, and they start narrowing it more down to court-related things. And one of the things that you see, and I know I've seen this spewing out, this information spewing out ever since I first started researching when it came to like court-related things, is they always said, you can always question jurisdiction. Well, you know what? That's true. People need to realize that Lies are, they, they, they need a vehicle. They need to get around somehow. So how are they going to get around? You know, you and I get around in a car. The car is our vehicle. But how does a lie get around? What's its vehicle? It uses truth. Truth is the best vehicle for lies and information to get spewing around. And so one of the first things people will see is this questioning of jurisdiction. You can question jurisdiction anytime. I don't know how many audios I've heard, transcripts I've read, videos I've seen where people are questioning jurisdiction. They're even bringing up the only thing that they know for a fact behind any of it. They bring up the fact that, oh, I know that jurisdiction can be questioned at any time. Well, and the judges will always agree with them. Yes, yeah, it's true. And then the judges just steamroll and keep moving right on past them. And they don't understand why. Well, I question jurisdiction. Well, a couple of elements to this. Number one, if jurisdiction has been challenged, who is responsible to prove jurisdiction? People always bring this up to the judge. This isn't the judge's responsibility to, to establish. Jurisdiction is the responsibility of the moving party generally the prosecutor. They are the moving party. The moving party is the one who has to stand up and establish jurisdiction and say, these are the grounds. This is my backing. This is why I'm doing this. This is how I'm empowered to do this. That's their job. It's not the judges or the court administrator's job to prove the authority of the prosecutor. It's his job. Okay, but everybody brings this up to the uh, <clears throat> court administrator or the judge, which I find fascinating. <clears throat> Another thing with this is that when people 
say, oh, they want to question jurisdiction. I'm questioning. I'm, I'm here by special appearance. But when you go by special appearance, special appearance is for one reason, one reason only, and that is to question jurisdiction. So when you say that you are here by special appearance, that means you are here to question jurisdiction. That's the first thing that you want taken care of. Okay. And so when people come in, say, I'm here by special appearance, I'm here to question jurisdiction. The judge will kind of sit there and just look at them and be like, yeah, okay. And they'll say, well, jurisdiction can be established anytime. Judge says, well, yeah, okay. And? Nobody, nobody says anything. So that's, so the administrator just keeps moving forward with the case. Why is that? The reason why is because when you say, I want to question jurisdiction, or I want to see jurisdiction established here in this case, <clears throat> what you're doing, think of going into Dunkin's Donuts, what was that, 39 flavors or whatever? And you go up to the counter and you say to the girl behind the counter who is wearing a, a, a hat for, you know, the ice cream shop. She's wearing the little ID badge for the ice cream shop. She is acting as an agent for the ice cream shop. It's not Amy, the girl you know down the street any longer. It's Amy, the agent, the cashier for the ice cream shop. Let's see. We see this relationship all the time. So you go in and you say to Amy, she says, what would you like? Grant, say they got 39 flavors. You can get waffle cone. You can get a regular cone. You can get it in a banana split. You can get it as a sundae. Okay. And you walk up to her and you say, um, I want ice cream. And Amy will look at you and say, okay, what would you like? Well, I want ice cream. She says, okay, tell me what you want. This is exactly what's happening in court. This person is saying, I want to establish jurisdiction. I want it proven. On the record, please establish jurisdiction. And the judge says, okay. He's doing the same thing as Amy is doing at the ice cream counter. Okay. And the reason why is because we've only, somebody has obviously only learned a couple keywords. They don't know anything on a deeper level. They don't know what lays under it. Because if you're going to question jurisdiction, <clears throat> the judge needs to know what jurisdiction you're challenging. Are you questioning uh, personal jurisdiction, territorial jurisdiction, subject matter jurisdiction, appellate jurisdiction? Um, how about concurrent jurisdiction? That, that's an interesting one. Or diversity. Okay. There are multiple jurisdictions that could be called in the questionnaire. If you don't establish which one you are questioning, the judge is going to look at you and say, okay, sure. And when you say nothing else, what else is he supposed to do? But just keep moving forward with the case. He's got a full docket. He's got other shit to do. You are not on the top of his priority list. Sorry. He's not there to school you. He's not going to say, okay, I know you want to question jurisdiction, but there are multiple levels of jurisdiction, so you need to let me know which one of those that you want to establish. And he's not going to take that time. He's not there to educate somebody. And so that's one of the things that happens, like I say, with this junk information that gets floating around out there. 
And so now if somebody wants say in a situation of jurisdiction, they want to question one of those things, whether it's personal or concurrent or diversity, they're going to have to go in there and have to study what each one of those are, what they're all about and whether or not it applies to the uh, case they have. I think most people think that there's only one kind of jurisdiction and that's in personam or personal jurisdiction, not the case. And I, very sure that the judges laugh and then they use this to their benefit. But anyway, that, that was just one avenue of what I want to touch on as far as, but when we're researching and looking at things, you know, I, I think most people are just grabbing information and running with it, not realizing it's really junk. They are establishing what's behind it. If it's really knowledge and if it's backed, or if this is Intel or if this is intelligence. Okay. I think that's extremely extreme because I, there's so much stuff I see past. And people will send me things or comment to me and show me stuff. And I'll be like, okay, where's this from? Where'd you get it? 99.9% .9 of the time, I don't hear anything back. You know what I mean? It's like I've sprayed it with Lysol. You know, it kills 99.997% of viruses. Funny <laughs> <laughs> how that works, huh? Amazing. Amazing how that works. And but and here's one of the problems. You know, I, I do consults with people, and people will come and their first consult regarding any situation. And so far, I'll tell you what, batting a thousand so far. Anybody that's had a charge or whatever, every one of them's been knocked out, resolved without any penalties. Batting a thousand so far, I must say. But that's not something I'm gonna spread around. Anyway. These people, when they come to me at first, so before getting into like the details of their case, normally they always want to impress you with how much they know. And so I hear all about the 1666 Seneca Trust, uh, the three city state empire, the Vatican. I hear all that stuff. <clears throat> it's like, yeah, it's information I, it, nobody's really privy to it. It's kind of out there. So, <clears throat> um, but it's like, and I guess it's just maybe human nature or whatever, but they feel like they need to impress you that they know something or whatever. But anyway, once they get into it and you get into the details of the case and everything, it seems like, well, not seems like every time that this has happened, these people prior to the very end of everything being resolved always say to me, you know what, Brian, you have destroyed everything I thought. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I told you this would happen in the beginning. But the reason why is because so much of what people run with is information. It's not knowledge and it's not intel. Uh, people are running with belief. You can, you can add belief as a category side by side with information. People believe a lot of things that aren't true. In fact, I would say the majority of what people believe unless they're educated on the specific topic, is not true. It's nothing more than a belief. It's nothing more than something that fit my mental, personal agenda of how I think things work. And it was shown to me, and it, if it fit my agenda, that's what I stuck with. But we have to realize that things that we are told are told to us by other people who were told it by other people who all of them, it felt it filled into their own, it fell around their own personal agenda of how they 
thought things worked. And so they held it as a secure and tight belief. And so people today are all holding these strong, secure, tight beliefs so tight. They don't want to release these things. They think it's like gold to them. I don't understand. And they just don't, they won't change it. They don't want to swap it out for knowledge because it's personal to them. It fits around their own priorities, around their own agenda. It makes them comfortable. That's it. You know, that's probably the biggest problem. It makes them feel comfortable. And since it makes them feel comfortable, they're going to hang on to it. People will take, you know, an uncomfortable lie over, or I mean, a comfortable lie over an uncomfortable fact every day of the week. They'll always do it. You give somebody an uncomfortable fact, it's going to be rejected every time. You give them a comfortable lie, hey, they'll run with it. In fact, they'll help you promote it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, Most believe that competition is the way to get things in life and the way to get the good things in life. Yeah. They, most people are materialistic and carnal in that sense, and that's the only way they can get it is by competition. Whereas if, you know, if they just operated in peace, they get everything they want. Well, and here's the thing, though. And you say most people, everybody is carnal. And I mean, if you read, say, for instance, Scripture, if you go into like Romans or Hebrews and read Paul, Paul will tell you how carnal man is and that at the heart of man, man is carnal. Where did he get that from? He studied at the feet of Gamaliel. He read a lot of the extra biblical text. If you read those books, uh, like the, the Trimester of Hermes, uh, and in that, it, it talks solely pretty much about how man is carnal at his heart. I mean, there was so much of that book I read. I'm like, oh, my God, this is Paul. This is the book of Romans. You know what I mean? Now I know where he got it from. But but it's it's true. Yeah, we got a hand up, brother. Yeah, 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 yeah I'm going to jump on that in just a second here. I want to say, yeah, at our core, we are out for number one. We're out for ourselves. That's part of the ego. That's why I always say the ego is your number one attorney. It's always out there looking for another party to blame. And, and that's one of the main things. Yeah, people would be wise to recognize that too. That's a bit, That's a, a way to be able to learn how to control your own person by knowing it is the ego. And if you don't want it to ruin your character, then you need to control that ego. There's a couple people that are fairly big in the YouTube community. I've been watching for the past couple of weeks that have been going through a little bit of an argument. And that's one of the things I'm seeing with them is ego related. And one of them, the individual actually started stuff out. I think comes from making a claim. Um, he's since spent days He's like on Facebook trying to defend what kind of a man he is. He's defending that. And it's like, why do you have to do that, dude? You have to defend that. Anyway, yeah, we got a hand up. I see the chat has been full of stuff, which I'm sorry, but I'm not going to have time to. So, all right, I'll unmute you. And um from our Are you there? Okay. Please do so. Hello. 
Hello? Hey, what's up? Yeah. Hi, how's it going? Thank you. I came on a little late. Um, thanks for uh, acknowledging me and taking my question. Um, I know you were talking about uh, jurisdiction. And can I, I have a couple questions regarding that. So um, challenging the jurisdiction then would be challenging the prosecuting attorney because they're the ones who are bringing a claim, correct? Yeah, that's who the, the question should be directed at. That's the one that should be answering it. Right. Okay. And so my next question is, is if one finds themselves already in, in a court situation on that side, um, would you, do you think that it would be wise to do like a request for a leave of court and then maybe reorganize and come back in? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, you know, sweet. especially if <laughs> Yay. you're going Go in, say for instance, you're going in. Uh, and you don't have an attorney yet or whatever, you cannot be tried. Competent legal counsel. You're competent legal counsel without competent. And a research. Now, I'll say out a situation that way because your honor can't find competent legal well, I've talked to <laughs> I can't find anybody competent on you know what I mean and very often say for instance if it's like the state bringing a case forward say it's like a third party or whatever very often they can be worn down with that alone and here's the reason why here's the problem Say the situation is $3,200, okay? That, that is the some certain. Um, whenever they come to court, now, now, whenever you put this motion in, okay, say you've got court on June 3rd. You are going to put in a motion today for a postponement. You're going to put in a motion on June 1st or 2nd. And so by the time that gets answered, the other party is already planning. They've, they've already got all their work done. They've already put all their hours in. They got their ducks in a row. They're going to court tomorrow. Oh, it's been postponed. How much money did they just put into that? Now, right. you do that to somebody two or three times, and they're going to say, you know what? $3,200, some certain. Uh, we've already got $2,500 invested in this. Do we want to keep pushing this? Because we could end up upside down. But we're not even guaranteed that we're going to win. So, so do we want to go in? Same thing through a bankruptcy. You can file a bankruptcy, which is an automatic estoppel, and then just don't act on it. Just let it fizzle out. When they come at you again, file a bankruptcy again until you get it figured out. Okay. Well, here's so, the thing. Here's, here's, here's you, the thing. Well, hold on a second. Were you serious? Okay. Hold on a second. Okay. Just that, to file. I can't hear you. You can't hear me? I can hear you now. I'm right here. You're I right hear right. me. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're breaking. You're breaking up. Before you. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I got to so. work on this connection. Anyway, oh. <clears throat> um, instead of filing, which that, that cost, it might cost you three, four hundred dollars to file. Okay. Instead of filing, you can write tent to file, fill out everything that needs to be filled out for filing, all all of the information, all the things that you're going to use for backing your case, which has to be sent to them. Okay. Has been even playing field. You send that to them and let them know. And they see that you have an intent to file. Guess what? That will do the same thing without a at salt. Okay. Anyway, I feel like you're playing games with me. It's like you're giving me giving me good knowledge, and I can only get every other word. <laughs> that's internet. It's not me. Sorry, dear. <laughs> okay, well, I'm glad that that's the internet, not you. <laughs> um, okay, well, uh, thank you. I I appreciate you responding. Yeah, no problem. Um. And I suppose people can put their hand up if they want. I'll tell you what. Um, what time are we looking at here? About at our hour mark. Um, I'll tell you what. I'll unmute everybody just to give you all a heads up. That way, if you don't want to be unmuted, you can go and mute yourself out again. And if anybody has a question or anything that they want to bring up, if they don't know how to like raise hand or whatever, or they're just over the telephone, they can go ahead and ask. So I'm just giving you the heads up right now that I'm going to unmute everybody. So everybody is on me. Brian. Hey, who's this? You sound this familiar. Like You're breaking <laughs> up somewhat. Yeah, I know. Nothing I can do about it, man. That's internet. Talk to them. <laughs> okay, I'm talking to him. Quit it, damn it. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right. Now then, I got a few questions for you. One is, what is a self-executing contract? Ooh. Self-executing contract. Look it up. What's it saying? What's it say in uh, your legal dictionary? Don't ask me. I'm sorry. I tell people this all the time because that's what yeah. I do. If I, I look it up, what is self-executing? I mean, self-executing contract would be like the constitution. Contract. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I'm sorry. Using legal dictionary. Use Black Second. Um, use Merriam-Webster's legal dictionary. I kind of recommend that. I think uh, Supreme Court uses that a lot. Which uh, one was that? Gary Webster's legal dictionary. Okay, thank you. A self-executing contract would be like the Constitution. You can indenture it. It would be like the Bible. You can indenture it. You can coin your words. You make it the contract. It's self-authenticating. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Self-executing. You think about that term, self-executing. What does that mean? Self-executing means... It doesn't need a third party to for enforcement. All right. Exactly. So, exactly. Okay. Yep. Now then, we'll bring you Ooh, in on this. Okay. Because I know you guys know what I'm getting ready to say. All right. When I joined the military, what 
connected that and made it real was they published it in the local newspaper here in the legal section that Mike in Chattanooga is now in the military. If nobody rebuts this in 30 days, it stands as truth. In a sense, that is what they're saying. Just like the publishment of births. Correct. And that's the next thing I was going to say. When, when I was born, it was published in the local newspaper. There's a new little baby boy at this household, so-and-so. You know? And you got 30 days to rebut this. If it's not rebutted, it stands as truth. Everything in commerce that's not rebutted stands as truth. I've tried to get Mike down here so many times because Mike and I, when we talk, I mean, we'll be like, dude, you know, it's been three hours. <laughs> and I'll say, how long have we talked? Oh, 30 minutes, I suppose. <laughs> you know, it goes by so darn fast. You yeah. know? Well, there's a okay. lot of things that people can think about, you know, and, you know, a lot of topics, a lot of issues that, I mean, everybody just, kind of considers that, oh, it's just the way it is. Well, don't take anything for the way it is. Question everything. Question everything and then question the answers. Okay. Hey, Keith Little, I got a question for you. I probably could come up with an answer. <laughs> okay. You know, a couple of days ago, I asked you the question, you know, about getting the land off the tax row and you said some really good things boy i mean like really good okay do you remember what you were saying about that that was so daggum good you know well these guys are using real estate and real property terms and conditions for e for evictions and stuff these are all commercial terms when we break it down, I realize that the commercial terms have to be entered into the documentation correctly. We realize we we don't have a proper entry document on any record anywhere. Nobody has ever made a proper entry document. This is proven by all the master mortgages. The master mortgages are assumptions of legal facts. So when people realize this and start putting in um, actual legal entry documents on the record, just like you spoke about the military making an announcement. Mike is now in the military. If this is not rebutted within 30 days, it stands as truth in law. So when we make an entry into the into the uh, land records on the public record through the local paper, by claiming a warranty deed and allowing others to make their claim on that warranty deed, which nobody will, it's it's been abandoned and this is proven because there is no instrument attached to it. It's just sitting down there at the county records land county land records office. That's it. There's no instrument attached. So when you securitize that and turn it into the instrument it's supposed to be and make your notice of acceptance and acknowledgement in the local paper. Now nobody comes forward and, and rebuts that. You turn around and make your final judgment of claim on that land. Has nobody rebutted it. Now you give it three weeks. Your uh, your document hey, has now been entered properly. Patent. The thing there that, is no that, there is no bringing a land patent forward. You make the land patent. That is what acknowledge means. It means to make. 
Okay, there's two things that, that you said that is so important that people don't realize. You make a first statement in the paper of what your intent is, right? Then you follow it up with a second round of that you have claimed that and nobody did rebut it. So you make that statement. So you got the first round, you run it three consecutive weeks, you know, once a week in, in that local newspaper in the legal section, all right? Then afterwards you go a second round of three times in the paper. That second time you're stating what your intent is. This intent is so important. You know? Most definitely, because that's what's going to clarify the, the redemption of the land and the reparations and reclamation. And because it's not going to have them commercial terms. It's going to be written through the biblical scriptures. And again, it's not even using the biblical scriptures. It's just using common language that can be expressed and cleared up, as long as you know that language. And I found all this language by by researching myself through the uh, old land deeds in the or land records uh, through the legal notices of the early 1900s before the banking acts. Well, yeah, I think was, uh, once the banking act came in and they started these mortgages, everything switched. And that's the secret. Well, the thing you brought up, Keith, also that people have to pay attention to. Is one of the things I look for is I look for common denominators, and the common denominator in every court case, especially like with criminal, for instance, is intent. Everything is about intent. It's about the mens rea. It's about the mental decision. Have you mentally decided that you are going to break the law? Is there evidence of that? Mens rea has to be proven. Intent has to be proven. If if intent is not there, there's no case. Everything falls yeah, apart. And with their codes See, and, and regulations and everything, with the United States, there's 52 different codes. So there's 52 different intents. That's the different locations of information. When we come with our intent, it's one intent and one location of information. See, that's why we have all this power, but we don't utilize it. That intent is the key. That's where our power is. And then running it in the newspaper is our key to, to controlling what's our intent. Well, Mike, Mike, think about this with uh, things you and I. They're really messing with our. They're really messing with your signal tonight, brother. <laughs> well, they are, aren't they, Keith? Seems like every me, time he wants to speak. Why he's not getting there, let me just remind you of something. And when my dad died, uh, I got a friend that told me, you need to call this lady, because see, they locked down his bank account. As soon as he died, the next day it was locked down, and I couldn't get into it. So I told a friend of mine about that. He said, I know this lady that's vice president of the bank over here, the next town over, talk to her about this. And I called her up and talked to her. She said, did your uh, dad have a, a will? I said, yes. She said, did he have an intent letter? I said, no. She said, okay, you can write that intent letter. You know better 
what his wishes were than anybody. So yep, next Hitler, of kin, exactly. You said that is the most powerful thing there is. It's actually a step above that wheel, believe it or not, because the intent. Yep, because by reason and logic, unlike, every man. By reason and logic, every man should know the will of his father. There you go. Am I back? And yeah, you're back now. See, the power in it, she was saying, is because you're using common language and terms. And But who better knows what your dad's wishes were than his son? See? Yeah. And, and so that is so powerful right there. Mike, what I want to ask you was, with conversations you and I have had, wouldn't our intent supersede anybody else's intent? That's it. And she brought that to my attention. That's why she said that was the most powerful document you can do, is the intent letter over the estate. That's what okay? we were just you talking about. You know what about. I just said? Over the estate. Everybody has an estate. Or have they That's taken right. control? over it though see or have they are they allowing it just to you know be like a deed of trust down there not be acknowledged and and then it's a worthless uh piece of paper isn't it yeah, absolutely and you know that's the name of the facebook group is tactical sovereignty administrating the first estate well when it comes to administrating have you put your letter of intent out have you put yeah, out who and what you are and, and what you're doing here. When you go into another country, what do they ask? They ask, who are you? Where are you coming from? Where are you going to? And what's your intent? Exactly. Yep. And we're okay. going to uh, speak to a uh, medallion stamp banker here locally in regards to my companion's account. She's coming up on her IPERS retirement and everything. And we want to get a uh, letter of intent written to switch everything over to the private estate, encompassing all real and personal effects. So I'll let everybody know how how that goes next weekend. Okay. Now hey, then I gotta ask hey, something else. If if people have court cases, this is I've heard this. I don't know this to be factual, but this is something I've heard through the grapevine numerous times. That when these attorneys in really intend on winning a case, they bond it. So they get a stamp or something of value and bond that court case. Are you guys aware of that? When you put value to something, you control it because, see, titles can't move without something of value. Was you aware of that? Yeah, it's called consideration. Yes, that's it. Whenever they do a mortgage, they'll say $10 and other valuable consideration. Okay? And that's what should move the title on buying land because you know I, unless you use gold and silver you know that really moves the title gold and silver and also see gold and silver you know gold and silver is not taxed how can they tax the word if it's fitly spoken that forms golden apples with silver frames. Yep. That's why I say coin your words or purse your lips. They are valuable. Yes. 
you know, and, and so we know you... that. I guess we've lost Brian, yeah. so we'll just keep Keith. May I ask a question? Yeah, Go ahead, Lori. Go ahead, Miss. Yeah, Lori. I don't want to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, I didn't want to interrupt you because I, I deeply appreciate the knowledge that you're sharing. So my question is, it, with the warranty deed that has no consideration, that's sitting down in that that uh, court records, whatever it is, um, is it possible then to maybe um, bond it with a, like a silver bond for consideration? Or do you think it's better to use a stamp or maybe both? But you can make a silver silver surety bond and then create your own stamp and just use the stamp. That's yeah. why I said I'm going to talk to the medallion stamp banker. Okay. Lori, did you know that Sorry. your signature is a postage stamp? My signature? It has I mean, value. No. Just a postage stamp. Well, That's why it's a postage stamp. See, whenever I've sent mail... I have sent it without a postage stamp on there, and I make it my own little seal and sign it in that, yeah. and it will go through every time when I mail a letter to somebody. We've done it numerous times. That's because your signature has a value just like that postage stamp, in case you didn't know. Yeah, I, I knew that it had a value, but I thought that the signature, the value was... Um, like say it was a blank endorsement or if it was qualified signature, but it never occurred to me that it was considered a stamp. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, see, and that's, that's, that's why I say when, when we get, <laughs> wow. when we get to, that's why I say, Laurie, when we get to the upper levels, we realize we're superior in every aspect. So when it comes to the qualified signature, when we move up to the uh, medallion stamp, there it surpasses the qualified signature. There is no more looking for a signature, whether it's qualified. It's already pre-qualified, and you better beware the mark stands. So that's interesting that you brought up in the the medallion stamp because, you know, with the, the trust um, extract that I have that has the intent. Um, that was one of the things that I needed to do was to go to a bank and to get the medallion stamp from the banker. So I, I'm really interested in hearing more about about how that goes with you. Um, I, I don't know what your like name I is. Said, is it Mr. Chet? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Mr. What? You there? Oh, Mr. I was trying to. I don't. I didn't catch his first name. I thought it. Thought he was called Chattanooga. So I, I wanted to yeah, thank um, Chattanooga. I'm Mike, I'm Mike okay. and Chattanooga. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Mike. Um, I yield. Oh. And, then, and then money, Mike, you got your hand up. What's on your mind, brother? Unless Brian is back with us. You back with us yet, Brian? Yeah, I'm back. I just had to go answer the door, and oh. I knew I could leave uh, I, I could leave you in Chattanooga. Uh, oh, okay. Right, thank you. Um, <laughs> It'd be trouble if you left us alone together, uh -huh. didn't you, Brian? <laughs> right. well, okay, hey, I got hey, one. Three-way call sometime. What, what else you got, yeah. Mike? 
sorry, right. sorry about that. Okay, so uh, Rob, to uh, expand on that word consideration, uh, right. just one, just the first paragraph I'm going to read only. Uh, the inducement to a contract stop. The cause, comma, motive, comma, price, comma, or impelling influence, which induces <laughs> a contracting party to enter into a contract stop. The reason or material cause of a contract stop. Some right, comma, interest, comma, profit, or benefit accruing to one party, comma, or some forbearance, comma, detriment, comma, loss, comma, or other, or, or responsibility, comma, given, comma, suffered, comma, or undertaken by the other, stop. Richmond versus Brookhaven. Okay, all right, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, consideration, yeah, that, that's a good word. That's a damn good word. Well, you know, uh, yeah. Mike, when I, when I hear the word consideration, um, there's a word that also comes to my mind, and that word is called teeth. Does it have teeth? Is, is, is there consideration? Is there something with teeth that is actually going to either enforce or compel the other party? And most normally, that's financial. Exactly. And that's that's where, um, in that sense of the definition that you just read, Mike, if we look at that in the way it's read, it's actually saying that they are exchanging some kind of monetary substance in exchange for the um, interest in the rights. In other words, you're exchanging, in that definition, they're telling you that you're exchanging your rights or a product or a service or whatever. Oh, okay. They're, they're placing okay. the responsibility on you now. They have oh. the rights of benefit, and you've received your benefit, and now you're responsible for that benefit. Oh, okay. and that's where cool. the, so, so those those where that's where I saw when when I saw that uh, word accruing. Uh, that's an important word. No, accruing. Accrual is no, an absolute possibility. Accruing. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I, people need to know what accruing means. Let me, give you, let me give you, for instance, the word accruing, okay? Accruing uh, can mean, like, stacked upon. It's like interest. Interest stacked upon interest, you know, accruing interest. Hey, it grows and grows. And that's why when you get a mortgage, you normally spend the first 10, 15 years paying nothing but interest. Yeah. You're paying all, everything that has accrued over, say, it's a 30-year mortgage, for instance. Okay? Now, there's another aspect to accruing that people don't realize. And that comes to taxes. For those that file, okay, so I'm, I'll speak to those people. Um, there are two methods of taxation. There is a cash method, which is what most people use, and there is an accrual method. Accrual comes from accruing, okay? And in the accrual method, you can write off right down to your freaking paper towels that you use pretty much, okay? And that's what should be used. And the, the, But the problem is, like, uh, if you go to a CPA 
and you tell a CPA, hey, I, I want to switch to the accrual method, they'll look at you like Medusa, like get seven heads away. They, they don't know what you're talking about. But oh, yeah. tell you take exception to accrual. No, no it means you have to like that part of everything you have in your house. Well, they don't even know. They don't even know what the accrual method is. But if you go into the IRC, the Internal Revenue Code, it'll give you the definition between the cash method and the accrual method of taxation. And people, if you're somebody who pays money to the beast, uh, use the accrual method. That's my recommendation. But anyway. Yeah, see, when, when it comes to taxation, they can only tax property that is in abeyance with the state. So the t state doesn't even know it. In other words, if the state doesn't have the receipt, it can't make a claim on it. So you keep what? all of your receipts and issue a 1099 on them to get the re cash reserve back every year. Well, they let me give you a, there's a couple of good methods. Uh, one good method and I, I know uh, Mike Chattanooga had something else you want to bring up, and I want to go to that yet. But there's a couple of good things, really, when it comes into, like, personal taxation. Taxing you, uh, supposedly, as a business. Right. But number one is, if you go into the Internal Revenue Code, and what does it say about those who are required to pay a federal income tax? You are only required to pay into a federal income tax if you are required to pay a state tax. So what does that mean? That means if you live on a state that doesn't have state income tax, are you required to pay federal income tax? No, you're not. No. And Tennessee's that way. Yep, Tennessee's one of them. That's right, Mike. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, so you know uh, what's yeah, important. So, you know, common me, law. Hold on, hold on just a second. I, I hate that word common law. Don't use it, Mike. Hold on just a second before I get into this. The second thing I want to bring up on this because I said two things. One is go to a state. That's one of the great things about the United States of America, is that if you don't like the way the laws are in one place, you can go somewhere else. Okay. Anyway. Um, is the same though, or no? Anyway. Yeah, I don't like the way the United States is. I'm definitely going somewhere else. There, there are, no, there no, are. no, not the United States. Like, like each state, like, like, like Brian said, you know, go to another state. You know, like they. Yeah, the Republic. Right, go to, so how I'm gonna go to Indiana, or you know, see what what's happening. Oh, the Grand, they they do seem separate, but you know. But, uh, but, but I will tell you what, though. Is there uh, things you? Yeah, go ahead. I do um go, go to many states for a while. They do kind of seem the same though. Um, that's just my opinion though. That's just my opinion. Oh, you to look at the details. No, no. Here's the thing. Like personal taxation. Okay, there there's a lot of programs. Um, Sarah. Oh gosh, what's her last name? Her father. <laughs> You know, Sarah's dad is somebody I listened to, God, back when I was 18, 19 years old. And he wrote a book, and it was referring to the medical institution, okay? And it was called Dead Doctors Don't Lie, okay? 
And I remember when her and I were talking one time, she was saying, oh, my dad says this, my dad says that. And I told her, I said, hold on a minute. Who's your dad? Because what she was telling me came from directly from the book, Dead Doctors Don't Lie. Well, anyway, he has a program out there now uh, where it's not just a matter of like the, the different supplements that he has that you could just buy them and use them. But you can also like check a box and say, I want to be a franchisee. And he's added something to this. And I know exactly where he got his information for to do this at. Okay. Because I know his daughter, Sarah. Why and I'm pretty sure this is what happened. Um, well, when you sign on and you want to be a franchisee, guess what? Your home is now a business. Okay. And forget about all this commerce terminology and stuff like that. But your home is now a business. So that means, guess what? Your cell phone bill. Are you using your cell phone in order to help other people use these other freaking supplements for the dietary plan? Oh, well, at the same time, don't you need that light on over your head in order to do that? All these things become a write-off. So now you can write off everything in your household. Because you've turned it into a business plan. Make sense? And Sarah Marcus, her dad is uh, Joe, Joel, Joel Wallach. Yep, and Joe Wallach has some great stuff. And uh, Randy Shannon, who's a friend of mine, does, I think, a, a show with him once a week on YouTube. But anyway, no, and there's something else I, I wanted to freaking add on before we got on Q&A. Uh, I want to add on to tonight's main conversation, which was abjure the realm, which means, you know, not just leaving their property. It, the way they've got things set up, the way the great adversary has freaking done things because it's all fictional is that you don't have to pack your bags and move, okay? That's not the way it works. You don't have to totally excommunicate. Uh, you don't have to totally quit, you know? You have to totally abjure. All you do is you quit using their shit. Bottom line, it's that simple. No magic form to fill out, put your purple or red or blue thumbprint on. No, nothing like that. I'm sorry, it's not sexy, it's not fun, it does take a little bit of work though, but you quit using the equipment of the beast. Yeah, you can still have a bank account, you just don't use it his way. You can still participate, you just use this stuff in a different way. And it's that simple. People don't get it. And life is so much easier. And Popo pulls you over, they come up. I've had, what have I had? Well over 20 experiences now in dealing with enforcement officers. And they have all turned out swimmingly. 
I mean, my last one, no license, no insurance, no registration. Down here, let's go directly to jail. Do not pass. Go. Do not collect $200. You know what happened? I, I was at home half an hour later. That's what happened. Never went to jail. People don't Where's even approach me anymore. What? Where's my vehicle? My vehicle's still up front. In fact, now I don't even have, I don't have just the one police interceptor. Now I've got two of them out there in a van. <laughs> yeah. That's funny how when you start asserting the truth, they, they turn around. Well, the thing is, yeah. the thing is, and this is what I've always said, it's about preventative medicine. You cannot wait until your foot is in the bear trap before you try to start figuring out how to get your foot out. No, you have to figure all this out. You have to put the preventive medicine in place ahead of time. That way, when they approach you, they already know who and what you are. You don't have to be one of these guys. Oh, here's my papers. Read my papers. No, you don't have to do that. It's already on their computer screen. It's already been given to them by their boss, the Secretary of State. That was my problem in my last case. I wasn't quite ready for it. I knew something, but I didn't know enough. Now I know more than enough, and it's uh, time to put it into play. Exactly. Well, and, you know, this might be a good time to get into um, territorial jurisdiction, because that's one of the levels of jurisdiction I mentioned earlier. Oh, well, um, yeah, that's what they're bringing in is the special maritime territorial jurisdiction and how it works. And so establishing yourself in this realm, as far as territorial jurisdiction, what do you do? Okay. Uh, and there's actually multiple things you can do. Um, I might be a group called Unguru here soon. And then teaches a lot of this different stuff in different areas and it's something people have to pay into and yeah, I've got some questions about it so it's hard to tell what's going to happen uh, my stuff is always out there for free either way but anyway as far as taking care of territorial jurisdiction say for instance uh, let's go to a very base level situation renter okay um it's all in who you rent from, where you rent at, what's included. Uh, will they take care of all of the bills for the, the place that you're in for you? Will they take care of internet, cable, um, lights, water? Will they include that in everything? If they don't already have that wrapped up in the package, can they wrap that up in the package? And at the same time, can they accept your mail? Can you establish them as your agent for service process? All your mail goes there. And you just pick it up from them whenever you pay rent, whether it's weekly, bi-weekly, monthly. I mean, it's all how important your mail is to you, I guess. Yeah, your other stuff, I guess you can always get a P.O. box for. Um, if you buy a home, if you buy a home, are you buying the home personally? Or do you have a foundation set up and the foundation is buying the home and the foundation has a mailing address somewhere else and that's where the uh, service of process is going to. 
a lot of stuff like that. Uh, if, you, if you get into like a uh, vehicle code, driver's license, I, I know I found for California that when you get the driver's license there, that you are agreeing to be the agent for service of process, notice and demand for anything related to that vehicle. They always want to know who the agent is for service of process, notice and demand. Go back to that old song from what was it, the 60 whatever. 50 whatever secret agent man you know that they've given you a number and taken away your name what do they ask for do they ask for a number they ask for your social security number all the time or do they just want your name same situation they they told everybody this was going to happen they told everybody who and what they are and how they're operating but when i order something they ask me for my credit card number that's all they give a damn about and the credit card number is tied to your social security number, which is tied to your address, which is tied to whatever else. Brian, may I ask you a question? No. <laughs> I just I just did though. Um, I'm curious, did you see the documents that Lex Mercatoria did for territorial jurisdiction? Well, that was like a week ago, wasn't it? Yeah, like, did you did you read about the stuff that happened to his friend that put those documents in? Like, all I of a glanced, sudden, his mortgage got. Yeah, what? I glanced. Through, yeah, I glanced through it, but no, go go ahead and tell people. Well, I really think that you should look at it because you might want to have him on as a guest. I mean, some of the things that happened, like his friend, literally, the city started to come over and into like they're like, "Do you need help with your?" moving vehicles off your yard did it for free then he needed trees cut down they came and did it for free um his mortgage got paid off in the background he was taken on the do not detain out of jurisdiction list pretty profound you know, miraculous stuff happened you know when, uh, what was it 17 2017 Hurricane Irma came down through here and it entered into and it went straight up towards Tampa. So it came right like over my house. Okay. Um, at about three o'clock in the morning, I heard somebody yelling at my front door and I got up in bed and shined a light and it was a police officer. And I'm like, uh, yeah, you need something? He's like, I'm just doing a wellness check, just checking on you. I said, okay. I said, yeah, we're all good here. And he said, okay, that's all I need to know. And he turned around and walked out, right? And I thought, wait a second, what's this guy doing? Is he like doing a door-to-door wellness check on everybody in the neighborhood? And so I, I went to the door and looked out. He went to his car, got in his car, and left the neighborhood. I'm like, wait a minute. He came specifically to check on me. I said, that is odd. Why would they come and check specifically to make sure I'm okay? And so that that ties into what you were just saying. You probably shouldn't talk about this, though. (laughs) Yeah, so thanks for sharing that, Brian. And I really hope that you would consider maybe having him on just because um, 
there's so much to learn and he was one of the first people that helped me to recognize to really like concrete it in my head the 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 importance that territorial jurisdiction is you know even in an ecclesiastical sense is literally like uh Keith was talking about a little bit ago the special uh, maritime ecclesiastical lien uh, territorial jurisdiction is the foundation in my opinion oh, and he that's fair. He shares his he shares his documents. It's like um, people get their property off of the tax roll, letters to the IRS, um, all of that. So you're in contact with him? Yeah, we talk regularly. All right, well, I'll have I'll him contact you guys. Oh, well, okay. Well, I need to get your number. I need to get. I need. To, I need to get your number again. If you can send it to me, that'd be good. No, I'll give my number openly right here for anybody. Oh, okay. You Hold can't on. Hear me? Let me grab a pen. I can hear you now. <laughs> okay. Two three nine. Yeah, I'm here. Two three nine. Two three nine. Excellent. Okay. Well, when I speak Thanks. with him, um, may I forward your number to to him, or to, we do? A oh yeah, absolutely. How do you want to do that? Okay. However great. you want to. Oh, I don't great. Care. Thank you. That, okay. That's been my number for a long time. I don't change my number every two weeks because I don't pay my bill or no. That's been my number for a very long time through a company that doesn't even exist anymore. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, when, we we're not involved, when we say we're not involved with those non-disclosure agreements, we mean it. We're open. Absolutely, man. I don't believe in the NDA yeah. crap. Exactly. Well, we should talk some more about that because, yeah, I'm glad I got your number again. Woohoo! I'll be calling you. <laughs> and so does everybody else now that listens to this. So. Anyway, but here's the thing. Let me let me tell everybody something. Let me give you a disclaimer. If I don't know you, which typically I am so busy, I never answer my phone. It always goes to my online secretary, and my online secretary will say, "Thank you for reaching the estate of Brian Glenn Parker." All right, and if it's important, you'll give a message. If it's not important, people don't and I'm sorry, but like only once a week, I sit down and I listen to the messages from the whole week. And the reason why is because only one or two out of a hundred are important. So anyway. Yeah, so if you ever want to hear anything fun, just in the middle of the night, Call your yeah. secretary. You know, uh, Is that what you're saying? <laughs> you you know, Brian, you was talking about the mark of the beast system. It's a cartoon, is what it really is. That's why you can live mentally anywhere. Virtual secretary. <laughs> yep. I mean, well, virtually, it, you can it, live anywhere if you want to live. In the state of mind, 
for the state of Maine or, you know, wherever you need to live, you can do that, especially with a DBA. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's literally the the Wiley Coyote and the Sheep Herd Dog cartoon. Lori, you've heard me talk about this before. We all go go to work together. We punch in and say good morning and everything. Then we go to work beating each other up. And at the end of the job. day, yep, at the end of the day, we, we go and clock out together and say, have a good night. We'll see you tomorrow. We're back at it. It's insanity. We got to quit. You got to quit the job. Yeah. You know, job, job in ancient, like in the book of Job, it's like it means criminal. Quitting the job, it sucks. I don't even get paid for a long time. Apparently, I was a public official. My person was. My person didn't even get paid for it. So yeah, your person yeah, got so paid. Trying to start doing good works. Your person received lots of benefits. And, and oh, yeah, a military like the, the, and a military protecting the, the you. That's it. The, yeah, but you know, also, at what being able my person, my person could be tossed in jail or you know experimented on or. Yeah, you know, I, I gave up my right to suffrage and act as surety. Well, that, There's own, you, the Messiah was a surety, right? Well, that's a, that's a liability. I mean, getting tested on and stuff, that's a liability for accepting the benefits. Is that you've got Uncle Sam taking care of you. And he can experiment <laughs> on That's a benefit. That's a benefit. Yeah. That's not... I I have no desire for the benefits. I have a liability also security. Oh yeah, police are patrolling. What's that, surety? Yeah. What What about surety? Because I thought I thought surety was uh, so, uh, associated with liability. Yeah. Yeah, surety is, is what backs up everything else. Something has to be surety. Uh, it takes care of a debt, okay? And the United States is in a shitload of debt right now. It always has been. And what do they use for surety? What, surety, for instance, um, put it in basic terms. If somebody goes to jail and they, go to get, they want to get bailed out, somebody goes and posts bail for them. Well, what do they do? They place themselves and their property or whatever or their money as surety for the freaking bailout. For bail or ball, B-A-A-L, put it that way. You know, and, and that's is what that, zone. Right. Is that why when you bond the court case that it changes everything because then the control is switched from the county, you know, courthouse owning control to you as the man having control. Correct. Correct. You place a superior bond. Now it shows a superior holding, superior interest, superior principle. You know, Mike, there's, there, Mike, there's something I heard. God, 10, 12 years ago, uh, regarding the O.J. Simpson case. And the statement that I heard, and I only heard this one time in one place, and it was attorney that, that brought this up, and the attorney said, listen, he said, here's the deal. 
his dream team put up a bond bigger than the state's bond. That's how he was released. Yep. Yep. I heard that once and I was like, oh my God. It, that's when things as far as court start clicking for me. Because when you go into well, court, man. it's a property dispute. That is what it really is. Right. So well, like they with don't, those they don't even bond those cases the, either the most court. of the time. Right? Uh, they don't even bond them. Well, it depends on the case. No, like with the with the OJ Simpson case. Okay. Here's the deal. When somebody gets killed, okay, they look at the individual. Okay. What's an individual in IRC, Internal Revenue Code? An individual is defined as a taxpayer. Okay. So what what does this taxpayer pay into the treasury every freaking year? They're worth X amount of hundred thousand dollars. Okay. And so then they're going to go and they're going to base a bond on the case of the murder of the individual based on the possible profits that are lost by the treasury from this person being killed. Right. So now if that's what the prosecution is using, say they're saying, oh, we'll just guess at $800,000. We'll just guess they're going to be alive for another five years or whatever. Okay. Um, so they can come in and the defense can put in a bond that is over $800,000. And they can overbid the case. Think about when somebody wants to have work done on a big piece of property and they put in bids. Whoever has the best bond and the best bids wins. Same thing in court. Same thing. It's called a bid bond. Yeah, a bid bond. There's bid bond, performance bond, repugnance bond. Yeah. That's because there's no gold or silver out here, so it has to be bonded, see, is what the answer is. Well, you know, I've got a big argument against that myself. And, you know, it, that it comes from the patriot stance that, oh, there's no gold or silver, so there's no such thing as a freaking real treasury. And Okay, yeah, 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 whatever. <clears throat> um. If you read the Constitution, the Constitution says that it's placed in the hands of Congress, okay? And it should be gold or silver. And that's what it should be. And here's the thing. Here's the bottom line. This is the thing that's, that's not ever brought up by the Patriot Committee. The state is supposed to do it. Our individual states are supposed to establish our freaking gold and silver freaking money. Never happened, okay? So what happened? It falls back to Congress. So what is Congress supposed to do? Is Nancy Pelosi and freaking Charles Schumer supposed to be standing in the hallway freaking printing money? No, they farm it out to somebody. And they farmed it out to the IMF. We they gave it to the bank. And the World Bank is who rules everything. If you want to know who the government is, it's not the government. The government's not the government. The government is the World Bank. 
He who owns the gold makes the rules. <laughs> exactly. But remember, the folks, they're no longer but remember, folks, they're no longer coining money. They're making it. They're not they're making money. They're, they're issuing credit. You know, it's, it's promissory notes and credit. Well, here's money, the thing. money is commercial paper. So even a court docket is is money. Depends on how you invest in it. No, Mike, thank you for bringing that up. Because let me tell you something. If people really want to comprehend how to use like Federal Reserve notes or whatever, or want to use the system the way the system is supposed to be used, Mike, I'm so glad you brought that up. It's all credit based. You don't spend money, you spend credit because it's a credit based system. I, I could send plenty of links freaking explain this to you how you could get wealthy like really quick. All right. But uh, ever think about these people standing in line in front of you at 7 Eleven? They're buying a cup of coffee and they pull out their credit card. And you're thinking, what's wrong with this dude? You got to do all this shit to do a credit card when you could just give over the 75 cents or whatever, buck 25. You know what I mean? It's because there are people that realize it's a credit based system. And when you do stuff on credit, you can expand your wealth and your wealth is built on debt. And, and you become more wealthy by owning other people's sins, by owning their debt. Ah, uh, yeah. The, base, the basic thing to, 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 to um, the, the basic thing to realize here is that commercial paper is one thing. In today's modern banking and economics, commercial paper is just the money. Whereas the fiat currency now is the credit which brian is talking about and that's a credit transfer exactly the transfer is the transfer of the data elements to press numbered keys or other identifiers so enter the number first and therefore you get to the location information which is the other identifiers you know what what, what so are, are there Everything, everything's electronic now, people. Yes, everything's yeah. electronic. So I got a question for you, Keith. Since everything's electronic, when I publish something in the paper, couldn't I have my own .com and website and refer to that is where the information is if they want the information about whatever I'm publishing in the legal section? Instead of me spending $100, you know, having four lines of print there, I could just have one line in my website there and saying my intent is to uh, claim this account. If you want more information, go to this website. Couldn't you do that since it's now a digital world? Why can't you just put it on that website and then anytime any, anybody confronts you, You've got it on the international web, the World Wide Web, already recognized internationally in a peaceful forum because they've allowed you to peacefully maintain your your own website. And I've got my own website already. It's established, internationally recognized. 
like I said, I'm getting ready to go talk to a uh, medallion stamp banker this week. And it's a matter of using your own site as the public notice and then sending everybody that needs that notice at any time. Here. I know, but what about when I'm... I've already you seen know my website. I've, I've, my website, I've already given the entire world notice. They recognized it. Now you must. If you try to deny this, you're making war with the rest of the world that's already made peace with me. Okay, so I technically don't have to run it in the legal ads of a gazette? Not at all. Not at all. Come by okay, two or three because, that's the, because it has to be any particular form or platform. This is the problem, people. Everybody's following somebody else's platform. Facebook is controlling I, you because they I, have a copyright on their platform. When you establish right. your own platform, nobody else can have that copyright. You get to publish your own stuff. You okay, know what? So here's, here's what I could That's do. Is have Facebook my own no come and then go to the county, you know, where the bulletin board is and post that just for the heck of it, you know, that it's that that way I'm giving notice to it and take a picture and everything of that, that I did it on such and such a date and come back 30 gotcha. days later and it's still there just for the heck of it, okay? And then what you just then said, Keith Little, makes so much darn sense. It's just unbelievable what you just said. And I've got a, my site is a dot .art domain extension. I don't use commercial extensions. And right now, like I said, it's a dot .art. My main goal is to get a dot .post. The, the sites that we use today are called internet and they are um, lower level domain extensions and they are meant specifically for, specifically for people, specifically for black market. Okay, don't be, do not be confused. That is the entire intent of the entire commercial system is for people to take advantage of those that don't know. So when we turn around, we take control of that international recognition, not the forum or anything, but the international recognition by putting it out there. That's part of the problem. Everybody here in America thinks that they have to be recognized by the United States. No. We have to be recognized on the international forum above and beyond any kind of citizenship. Keith, Keith, that's what I that's why I said everybody grabs information and runs with it. And information is garbage. It's junk. You don't want just the information. The stuff they throw out there, like you just said, it's it's pointless. Yeah. You, you make your question? statement. Everything else is... What? Um, I'm sorry. I just, you know, we kind of glossed over the whole banking thing real quick and going into uh, notices. Um you know, going into the electronic, it's one of the things that I've learned with you and along this path is that the general, generally accepted accounting practices are book entries, and that's where the credits are drawn off of. And, um, you know, it's really interesting, you know, how the post office has the ability to do that and how they're connected with all the other banks and stuff, the book entry, and being able to get credits off of those at some point. What are your thoughts on that, Keith, or Brian, or anyone well, you're else? You're exactly you're exactly right. They the post office knows all about the electronic book entry. They're the ones that know that every piece of paper that goes to the mail is a commercial paper, 
and that it is now a conversion system where they're getting rid of the definitive paper bonds and converting everything over to the electronic book entry system. It's written in their codes. Um, specifically nowadays, when we refer to the CFR or the U.S. code, it's supposed to be the electronic USC or CFR because it's right. specific electronic copyright. Yeah. You know what I think is funny? You know what? <laughs> I got to crack up. Uh, one of the things I think that's funny is everybody's talking about how uh, the dollars are, it's all going to go to a different freaking system. They're all going to go to something else. Uh, we're looking at Bitcoin and all this shit and all. Yeah, U.S. dollars yeah. transfer, and I'm like, wait a minute. You guys don't comprehend that over 97% of the Is federal it? dollars that are used are all electronic. Right. They're, not, they're not in physical circulation. The U.S. dollar is already a crypto coin. They made it a crypto coin a long time ago. Yeah. That's a bunch of numbers. That's all it is. Yeah, like 20 numbers. years ago, they were talking about that there's only 3% out here in the paper part. Only 3%. That was 20 years ago. Yeah. So, no, the U.S. doesn't have to go to a crypto coin. It's already a crypto coin. <laughs> <laughs> and then think now, about the paperwork the, reduction the act hackers. is all about. Well, sorry, Keith. You... No, go ahead, because that's exactly what we're talking about as hackers today. You know, it's, yeah, it's all you... about the IT. It the is. And here's the, part, here's the part that a lot of people don't comprehend. I mean, I'm far from an expert. My knowledge is antiquated. But kind of when this exploded in the 90s, that was when I was going to university. And, you know, um, the man I was engaged to was doing an interim with the Department of Defense. And so I kind of got in on the ground level then. And what's interesting is like, you know, I don't know if people are aware of the DEFCON meetings there are. You guys ever heard of that? DEFCON, D-E-F-C-O-N? Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about high technology and the people who are really far advanced. But there's also this other, it's called a repository, where it's like open source and all the programmers go. If anyone really wanted to know what happened to any election in any private organization, uh, pretending uh, it's pretty easy. They ha there's lots of there's lots of um, software code. It's more code that can be downloaded at GitHub that will blow your mind. What the, these uh, the te technocracy is capable of doing. It's it's kind so of. Laurie, 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 if yes. you went back, or I don't know if you were on the call at the time or not. But if you go back and listen to my explanation of what information, knowledge, and intelligence is, you would totally comprehend what I'm saying. Okay. Because they're we're not all the same. We're, we're going to hopefully be going over some of the NIAX codes that are important in today's modern IT um, setups. And this is, Mike, you were talking earlier about the uh, .com site. And I told you about my website. It's very important that we start setting up our own little sites. Those are our public journals to the International Forum. 
the, the independent okay, public you, journalist. The, the independent journalist. Sorry. The, the independent public journalist. Sorry, Keith. I'll yield. The, the independent public journalist is, is the most important element in being able to fight this huge public monster. And it goes one by one. One by one, you assert yourself in the international forum in a peaceful manner with your own journal site or your own publishing site or your own um, faith-based union site, your own artistic site, whatever it is, until you get established in the right way so you can grab that dot post domain and make everything one source as a clearing office. No one else gets to clear any information but you you get to say whether that information is true or not if you say it's not true then you hand it back to that postmaster and he's got three days to research and resolve the issue internally no longer has anything to do with you it's a matter of them correcting their record at all times all right well you know i i want to say you know tonight's call i started out talking about abjure the realm and it really comes down to not using their crap. And that's what it really comes down to. Don't use their crap. And you can use a bank account, but don't use it their way. Use it your way. When you do contracts, don't do it their way. Do it your way. Make it your contract, not their contract. And uh, we're hitting over two hours right now. And I really don't like calls getting too long because people see long calls and they won't even listen to it at all. They don't okay. realize even if they I'm, get I'm, to like the last half hour of the call, they get the good gold. People don't realize <laughs> that. But anyway, uh, so what I want to do is I want to turn over the last few minutes here to three different people. I want to turn over like five minutes to Mike. Five minutes to Keith and five minutes to L, and let you guys give us your take on things, and uh, then we'll close it out. How's that sound? Perfect. Real quick. Oh, hey, what's going with you, Joe? What's up, bro? Hey, Brian. Yeah, I just had to chime in the last few minutes. Um, just real quick, I just wanted to let you know that what you said that a lot of people or people get that way when it's long like you were saying it you're you're true but it's true but it is bs and you know it <laughs> he's saying those that are really interested will hear have their ears open brother and i agree uh, yeah that's right anyway all right so so mike why don't you freaking take a couple minutes here and close us out with take gun stuff all right you know i was going to ask you a question and i said common law copyright or trademark and then the next part i was going to ask keith is can we do a, a copyright or trademark digitally that's a certain way in other words i want to claim my name you know like a dba and i want to do it out of the system you know I, that's why i referred to it as common law and now we got this new digital method to do i want to do those two i think that's the new horizon yeah, I know. I, when you say common law, I think I jumped on you because <laughs> I hate that word. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I hear what you say. I do. Yeah, common law is basically 
uh, the mind thought that judges you. Well, that's not how it works. And a lot of people do I'm off for natural law, and that's a big problem. Um, so, like the name, like for do uh, you do a operate on the legal name? Okay. Copyrights are for like works of art and things like that. Okay. So with the name, you can copyright your autograph. Yes. Like a book. Right. And I remember when I first started looking into this, it was around the time when they were going and there was these freaking people that were being hired. And they had stacks of freaking paper at these mortgage offices and they were just automatically doing people's names on it. And I was like, holy crap, what would happen if during that time they ran across a name that had that little C symbol on it? They might stop and second think, oh, do I want to do a copywritten name? And you can copyright your name. Um, a name is copywritten really it's from the first time of use or when it's first used. Okay. And so if you can give evidence to that and copyright it, that's what I've done. And I totally recommend that to people. So anyway, go ahead with what you had, Mike. Yeah. Keith, is there a way to do that digitally through the internet? Like we were saying, well, if you take a look in the chat section, you'll see, I created my own symbolic symbols for the uh, English language the English alphabet and I posted this on my site this is my patent or this this is a portion of my patent in that script and then below it I, I uh, repeated that same patent in English and in that patent it is describing it is expressing the trust and I named the grantors uh, trustee uh, grantor grantee trustee beneficiaries and you'll notice um, when you go to that site, I'll pull it up and post the link. But when you go to that site, you'll see in that patent, the beneficiaries are not named. They're just legacy heirs. So the beneficiaries are without name. They are assumed, assumed reasonably by um, reason and logic to be beneficial heirs through legacy, period. How do we know okay. this? Every biblical scripture speaks of it. It's already patented. Well, that sounds real good, what you just said, Keith. Wow. If, they, if they have any questions, you know, like I said, they, they want to sit there and profess that it's some kind of code. We'll prove that it's a code when I already gave you the key. I gave you what it says in English right below it. So you can't profess that it's a code or that I'm trying to hide anything. It's just a different script to make it very clear. I may not be speaking the same language as you. So let's talk about this the third time, because I've said it once. You questioned it. It was repeated again in English. So now let's sit down face to face. Yep. Okay. And this goes uh, for every yeah, entity down. And this goes for every entity below that. And remember, this is international forum already. Sounds good. 
now then, I'm going to change topic here to something that, about health that I think is real important that I just found out here recently. You, you, you guys know what malaria is, right? And you know what when people die, you know, of pneumonia. And let me remind you of something. The military owns the patent of COVID-19. The military owns that whole thing. That you know, it, it is. Yeah, we know that. It, it's a toxin, you know. And so, if you want it, you have to buy it from them. They they have to sell it to you to get that. Okay. So nobody in America. Well, Mike, 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 hold on. You just said it's a toxin, right? Yes. Yeah, not not a virus. It's a toxin. Yes. All right. Keep going. Okay, now then, knowing that, all right, you know, when all this come down to start with, they said, we got to put these people on ventilators and everything, you know, because their lungs are messed up, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to tie this all together because I was watching some scientists and some doctors this week. I've been doing a lot of research on this. That's why I brought malaria up. Do you know what's going on when somebody has malaria and they're going to die, you know, and they die of it? And also when you have pneumonia and you die of it, and then if you had COVID-19 and you die of it, all three of them have, have the same common thread. And I, I'm betting you don't know. I'm going to just tell you what it is. The blood gets so thick that it will not flow through the lungs, so you suffocate. And that's why they were putting people on ventilators. They knew that. And the cure for it is... You know what heparin is? You can give somebody that, that that had malaria or they're getting ready to die of any of these lung diseases and thinning the blood out because what's going on is the blood is sticking together so badly that it is not flowing through the lungs and they're dying. Okay, They know this, but they do not let this out to anybody. Everybody's got it a mystery that, oh, they're just real sick with something. I just told you what's going on, and they can give people what that blood thinner. What do you mean? And what do you mean? What do you mean? May, may I ask you a question, Mike? Mike sure. Chattanooga? Okay. Is heparin created by the same people who are creating the problem? Yes. yes. Okay, so do you, do you read the Bible? <laughs> Yes, I have. Heparin is a naturally occurring gas or a naturally occurring thing. Yeah. Okay. So in the, have you read in the Old Testament that the priests who administered and did the good works of the Creator worked with essential oils? Have you read that, Mike? Oh, yeah. I'm familiar with that. Okay. So do you Frankincense, essential oils, frankincense, you know? Yeah, that's one of them. We're all on the same line because I just put the link to Pruitt's tree resin in the comments section too. So, so, you know, I work with, I've worked with like a hundred different essential oils. And the thing is, is that in the Old Testament, have you, you've read the, uh, the food, the dietary food, right? Like don't eat the pigs, don't eat the, the uh, shrimp. Have you read those? Oh yeah. Okay. So back then, I don't know what they know, but what we know now is that the creator is very intelligent in design. And so 
we, because we're the holy temple, aren't supposed to eat the, the cleaners of the air and the land and the water. And so what often happens is that our bodies get riddled with parasites and um, it's a knowledge that's been lost. Um, some of us, you know, um, I know Brian does and I know Keith does uh, um, and, and other people who are being raised up by the creator to bring back because we were told to go back to the ancient ways. And um, this knowledge, you know, essential oils is what was given to us. Oils, and like, have you read You're the Salt of the Earth and how covenants were made with salt? Um, and there are other natural products that can annihilate every known disease. And that's a fact. And it, there's lots of same can happen many places. So um, I just wanted to uh, to bring that to your attention because I appreciate what you're saying. However, I I I highly recommend essential oils to help those with with okay, toxins in their lungs. Okay, I, I get what you're saying. Okay, now okay. then I had to say it that way so that you would see something here. They took these people that was going to die, gave them the heparin, and it reduced, you know, that's their statistic, 60%. Okay, they don't, it probably did it 100, but they don't want to say it like that. Okay, then they used wormwood extract, and it was a 40%. Okay, and see, what's going on is in America, and probably worldwide, what is everybody's blood... What is more There is there is a um, pharmaceutical version of that wormwood extract too that it, that they were using, and that's what they use for malaria around the world, and they have that real good success. And so, what's the trouble in in the world? I think is everybody's red blood cells are sticking like crazy, and that's what's bringing disease on them. And part of that, you know, wormwood, it will take that stickiness away. It also kills parasites and worms in people because that, that's what happens. Is, is, now, let me back up. When the red blood cells start sticking, no, no, the immune no, system no, comes no, in place. No, no. Stop. Stop. Stop, stop. Who's saying stop? Good God. Yeah, I think they were talking stop. in the background. Okay, yeah. so when that's happening, you, you know, that's what's causing a lot of these diseases and heart disease and cancer and everything by the simple reason of everybody's red blood cells are sticking like a mad dog, okay? That's how bad it is. And they know that, and that's why they're using this COVID-19 because everybody's red blood cells are sticking so bad, and they don't give them the answer. They just won't put them on a ventilator because they know that will rupture the tissue and the lungs, and they will die. That's like a guaranteed death. It'll make it worse. What they're doing is... They're taking uh, the flu symptoms that happen in every country, and they're running with it. That's all they're doing. Yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. Really, what I don't know why people don't realize. Right, let me add to this, Brian. A real good oh, friend of mine in in high school. 
I ran into him a week and a half ago at the store, first time I've seen him in a couple of years, and I didn't even know him, okay? And he said he took the vaccine, and he's gained 50 pounds, and he gained it right in his gut. It's sticking straight out like he's expecting, like he's nine months expecting. And so what I'm guessing is it when he took his vaccine, it has messed his immune system up, and all these parasites is taking over, in him and making his stomach stick straight out and it's making him gain weight and he said it was making him really sick and his mother and father took the vac this killing vaccine and the mother's losing her memory you know so well you know i've noticed i've noticed this with a lot of people myself as well and you know you bring up the parasites and I, i've got information uh regarding using like Uh, we're like two and a half hours in right now on this call. Okay. had stuff that I started learning a uh, years ago. A lot of the disease and things that all drugs. I have video and stuff. And they were told to stop researching it. And she said, why? Because it's effective is the reason, Brian. See that what, what I'm bringing up is really going to change you people because everybody's red blood cells are sticking like crazy, whether they know it or not. It's what's driving up high blood pressure. It's what's making everybody sick and go to the doctor. The doctors are if saying. If people will do research on this wormwood extract, there is some others, and it's very effective, okay? I yield. All right, yeah, let's move on. I mean, just for a second time. I want to move on. Uh, Lauren, do you have something, or Keith, before we close out? Go ahead, Lauren. I'm going to see. Go ahead, Keith. You know, tonight was. Well, as far as during the realm, I think most people that know me know that I do it through the word of our father. That's uh, one of the things that, you know, in my research growing up, one of the main concepts in my life throughout growing up in my adult life was trying to build a family because I was put in foster homes. Come to find out after 19 or so different last names, I'm not supposed to be trying to recognize any of them. I'm supposed to give honor to our Father which art in heaven, and through that I have all things that ever were, ever will be, and are right now. 
I shall not want for anything. I, how Absolutely. can I abjure to anything less? How can I abjure to anything less? I accept what he's given. And with that, I yield. Absolutely. And so I would recommend to people, you know, don't look for any magic freaking thing you have to sign or anything like Because, you know, you've freaking gotten into too many contracts. What you got to do is you have to freaking remove your position in all of those contracts. Exactly. And a bunch of them are secret and you don't know it. So, that's the way it is. <laughs> you aren't fully aware of. You enter in the shit you didn't even know you were doing. And Michael, I'll tell you this, Michael, back me up. You have to create your own contract. Your own contract will supersede that. You have to state who preserve because you will not like who they choose. Bottom line. Sorry about that. All right, guys. Well, I guess until uh, next Sunday, 9 p.m. Eastern, we'll see you in the Matrix next week. I left a couple uh, links in the chat section, my email and uh, WordWise Warrior. Uh, feel free to click on those, and God bless everybody. If it weren't for you guys, I wouldn't be doing this. Thank you, Keith. Thank you, Mike. You want to close out with anything, Mike? Nope, that's got it. Thanks. Well, this was a real good call, Brian. Very informative. Hey. I, I try to make sure all of them are. And everybody, please share this. Share this to people. Um, you know, while, while you're cleaning your house, while you're washing the car, whatever, turn this on. Just listen. And start using your mind because that's what they don't want you to do. They don't want you to use your mind. The mind of men has always been the battleground. Good night, everybody.